I was reminded of there are two places in the Bible where Jesus wept. One was for his good friend when Lazarus had died before Jesus brought him back to life. And the Bible says he wept over his friend. The second time was quite a bit different. He had just entered Jerusalem and all the people were, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. You see, they didn't understand that God was in the flesh standing right in front of them. But in their minds, those people were blaspheming God because they didn't think Jesus was the Son of God. We know different today, don't we? But here's the thing. Jesus said this in Luke 19, verse 40. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And as he approached Jerusalem and he saw the city, he wept over it. And he said this, if you, even you, had only known this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Jesus loved the Jewish people, but they didn't get it. They missed that opportunity. And as a result, that peace that they could have had, it escaped them. But we are instructed to pray for Jerusalem, for Israel. And as you know, they were attacked this weekend. We need to care. Would you pray with me? Would you stand again? Father, we know that Jerusalem is near and dear to you. When you walked this earth, that was your primary geography. You loved the people there. The inheritance came through them, Lord. We were grafted into the vine through Abraham. And it was through Abraham that you said those who bless them will be blessed. Those who curse them will be cursed. We want to be on the first side. We want to be a blessing, Lord. Because we want your blessing. And we pray today that Lord, you would keep those people safe. That's holy ground in the name of Jesus. That's holy ground. Lord, loose your angels around those people. Keep them safe. Help them to see, Lord. Take the blinders off. Help them to see the Messiah for who he really is, the Son of God. And in the meantime, Lord, we again pray for peace. We ask you just to move there as only you can. We know what the end times in Scripture talks about. We know that there are difficult days coming. But Lord, we pray your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. So today's message is all about love. Love defined. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want to begin with a little story as told by William Ritter, and he said this. A man was being tailgated by a stressed out woman on a busy street. Suddenly, the light turned yellow, and though he could have run it, he chose not to. The tailgating woman, who was all set to run it with him, missed his rear end by a matter of inches. Screeching to a stop, she jerked forward in her seat, 
Figuratively, she hit the roof. Literally, she hit the horn. Rolling down the window, she started screaming and she gestured loudly and obscenely until an officer approached her mid-rant. And he had the gall to ask her for her license and registration. When he returned, she had calmed down enough to inquire as to why she, rather than that stupid jerk in front of her, was under suspicion. Well, said the officer, when I pulled up behind you, blowing your horn and screaming as you were, I paused to read your bumper stickers. God loves you, and so do I. Honk if you love Jesus. My boss is a Jewish carpenter. Then I saw the chrome-plated fish emblem on your trunk. So you can understand why I just assumed that you had stolen this car. <laughs> How many of you, as I read through this, you went, yes, she got what she had coming to her? Uh-huh. I must admit, when I read this the first time, I thought, this reminds me of the mom that was tailgating me down Chris Road a week ago. And I have to admit, I got a little smirk across my face. What all of us must remember, though, and this is the point, this woman illustrated here obviously was a Christian, a sister in Christ. Martha Joe, she preached a fine message last Sunday. Amen. If you were here, uh, she concentrated on how love covers a multitude of sin. 1 Peter 4, 8. He said, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. And I have to tell you, I don't always win in this arena. There are times, and it's been recently when somebody did that to me, as described in the illustration, and I'm, I don't think I waved any obscenities, but I probably wanted to. What could I have done instead? Pray. Ask the Lord to bless them and not curse them. That's what I should have done is that woman finally got around me after we came out of the curves. And ironically, she ended up right in front of me at the stop sign. <laughs> she didn't gain anything. But not the point. The point is how I reacted. How we react. That's the point. We are the church. We are God's living body on this earth. And we've got to get it into our heads, into our thick skulls for some of us, that God is love. And as such, his church must operate in love. And that's why this message today, this message on chapter 13 is so important. And notice that it's stuck right between chapter 12 and 14, which are both referring to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This is how the church is supposed to respond to the world, and I call it a love sandwich because love is right in the middle. Love is the, the meat, if you will, of the sandwich. And the church would do well to eat of this meat. You're still with me. While you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I wanted to remind you of where I ended the last time that I spoke, the very last verse in chapter 12. And it said this, So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. Today we're going to look at what Paul was 
referring to when he said best of all. Some of the, the different versions say it's the most excellent way. How many want to live their lives in the most excellent way? Raise your hand. Come on. This is what God expects from us. Jesus lived this way. And I know we're not God, but we have Him living in us if we're born again. And that should be enough for us to exhibit this fruit that we're calling love. I want to set the stage for chapter 13. And I've mentioned this a little bit before, but just to say it again, the Corinthian church had some issues. Have any of you ever been in a church that didn't have issues? If you have, let me know. I want to, I want to go there. I want to see what their formula is. How do you do that? No, we're all what? Human beings. Right? And as such, that means that we are flawed. There's not a... Somebody said this, not me, but somebody else said this a long time ago. If, if you ever find a church that's perfect, the minute you enter it, it won't be. And that's truth, right? Hallelujah. The Corinthian church had issues, but it wasn't for a lack of spiritual passion. They thought they had it all locked in because they all spoke in tongues. And there's nothing wrong with that unless unless there's something missing. And what, of course, was missing? Gordon Fee said of the Corinthians, their spirituality showed evidence of all kinds of behavioral flaws. Their knowledge led to pride and the destruction of a brother or sister for whom Christ died. And this is something I want you to really grab hold of today. He's talking to the church. And he's trying to get across to us that if you're missing this ingredient, you are seriously flawed. And I don't care what church it is, if they don't have love, they aren't Christ's church. Fee went on, their wisdom led to quarrels and rivalry. And I'm not saying this stuff's happening here. If it is, I don't know about it. Their tongues were neither edifying the community nor allowing outsiders to respond to the prophetic word. In other words, they weren't sharing in English what God was saying to the church. In short, theirs was a kind of spirituality that lacked the primary evidence of the Spirit. Behavior that could be described as having love. End quote. Yes, we are flawed. But that does not give anybody license to belittle, bemoan, blame, or bash other brothers and sisters in Christ or anyone else for that matter. I think one of the things that grieves me the most, and it's a negative for social media, but when we see a lot of these well-meaning ministers who go on these rants about how evil this pastor is, or this pastor, or this evangelist, or these people who are filled with the Spirit, pray for them. Don't bash them. Don't curse them. Don't try to show everybody how lofty and spiritual you are because you're doing the very opposite by demeaning other people. What the Apostle Paul was saying is that those who are filled with God's Spirit cannot act without this ingredient. Love. And this is the word in Greek, agape, which is unconditional. What does that mean? It means that when you love somebody, there are no strings attached. You don't love them to get. 
You love them because it's the right thing to do. If we operate in unconditional love, if this church operates in unconditional love, everything else that we do will line up with God and the church will be healthy. I believe that with all my heart. What if we ignore this principle as obviously the Corinthians seem to have done? The Apostle Paul begins this chapter by giving us some negative examples. So I'm going to start reading with verse 1. This is from the New Living Testament, which I will put up. He said, "If and by the way, this is my underlining and highlighting in red. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, wouldn't that be fun? If I could, but didn't love others, I would be a noisy gong or a clanging... <laughs> symbol. I would be a noisy gong or a clanging symbol. Are you with me yet? Did I get your attention? Note that Paul points out in this chapter the one thing that the Corinthian church thought they had. Tongues. If I could speak all the languages, he said. But didn't have love, I would be like a noisy gong or a <laughs> clanging cymbal. Let me ask you this. What do you think God hears from his people? When they're speaking in tongues and they don't have love. He's not going to hear your prayer. Because you're missing the key ingredient. Love. All right, I've irritated you enough. I might do it again later. Who knows? If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Notice here that Paul includes prophecy and faith and the gift of giving in his list. His message is very clear. No, no matter how holy or saintly or spiritual you think you are, no matter what we do or what we accomplish in the Spirit, it is but fodder. It means nothing unless it is coupled with love. We can do nothing we can do nothing without love. You know, I could stop here and just remind you that those of you who have families and you live under one roof, Dads, don't be jerks. You come home, you're stressed out from work, you had a long day, and your family's easy. They'll take whatever you dish out. What you should be dishing out, though, is love. Not all the garbage that you didn't have the guts to give to the ones that really deserved it. I get corrected so often with my wife when we're going down the road and I start screaming about somebody that's driving poorly. And it happens more often than I care to admit. And she looks at me and she says, why are you yelling at me? 
And I'm like, well, really, technically, I'm not yelling at you. I'm just, you just happen to be in the same car with me. I'm, I'm expressing myself. <laughs> but I'm really, and I just admit this, and I say this out loud, I'm really planning on, in the future, trying to love these people. <laughs> and pray a blessing and not a curse. That, that's my goal. Pray for me. Before I go on, where does love come from? I kind of already alluded to it, didn't I? We see this from the Apostle John. He, he gives us the answer in 1 John 4. He says in verse 7, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but <laughs> I love the right side of the butt because that's usually where you get in trouble. Anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. You know, I picked on the husband, the man, but I say the same to the women of this church. Be careful how you respond to your children. I know sometimes they probably deserve a little bit of a on the soft, cushy spot. But don't let that be your primary means. Love them. Love them. Don't let the world's aches influence how you treat your children. Love them. We cannot claim to be a Christian without love. Listen to this. Love is a verb. Say this with me. Love is a verb. It is an action. How many agree with me? And if we do not love one another, then we are not even at first base with God. Did you hear that? You cannot claim to be a Christian if you're missing love. You need to start at the first beginning, at the beginning, at the first place. <laughs> Why? Because God is love. And if God lives in us, the only thing that should be able to come out of us is love. Anybody who'd say, I, I, I think, Pastor, that's me. I, I really struggle loving others. Yeah, there's some hands going up. Thank you for your honesty. I'm telling you, there have been times. How many in this room have had this issue over maybe once or twice in a year? Yeah, it, you know what? It happens. And here's the thing. It's one thing to have that lack of love for somebody, but it's another to let that grow and build. And I think Martha Jo talked about this last week. She talked about the root of bitterness getting down into your heart. And when you, when you hang on to something like that, when you refuse to love somebody for whatever reason, and some of you have, listen, you have valid reasons but God had a valid reason not to love my behind, and yet He still loved me. And then He said this, and this is the part that always frustrates people, as you forgive, so will you be forgiven. That's what Jesus told us. So it means that we must forgive people no matter how horrible they've treated us. We got to get to that place where we love them, or at least can say, God, I can't do this, but I know you can through me. Help me to release this, to let it go. And listen, I've been around church long enough to know I've seen some of the most horrible relationships in the church. That should not be. <laughs> it just shouldn't be. And we wonder, what's the one word you'll hear from the atheists and all the people that hate God? 
What's the one thing they'll say about the church repeatedly? We're a bunch of hypocrites. And this is why, because we've lost the love for people. If this is you, again, I was heading in this direction before I said it. To you, I would say this. Go to God and have a talk. God will, you know what? He isn't going to hear this. If you go to him earnestly, go to him and say, Lord, I don't think I can love everybody. There's something in me that shouldn't be there. I need your help. Hello, church. People online, maybe this is you. There's somebody that you're holding some stuff against. Maybe it's a whole bunch of people. Maybe it's all people. God said it. Jesus said it. You must love others. You must. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Ask him if there's sin in your life to forgive you. And then help you to forgive others. Show mercy. Treat others with respect and dignity and kindness. And then ask him to let his love infiltrate that darkest heart and to change you from the inside out. You pray that in Jesus' name and there's going to be something changed. The Holy Spirit does good work. But it takes us being willing to stop and to say, I need help. 1 Corinthians, beginning again, back to where I'm at here. Paul now explains or defines what love is. And this is, how many have a refrigerator? You should write, I should get this made as a church. And we should put this on a refrigerator magnet, this definition. And and just have it there. and, And at least, maybe once a day, maybe... Whenever we're feeling like we're not loving people, we could go back and read this, but here it is. Love is patient and kind. Think about your week last week, would you please? Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Huh. It does not demand its own way. Ooh. Oh, she's leaving. No, just... You're not demanding your own way, are you? No, I'm just messing with you. She's never going to get up again, probably won't ever come back. I'm sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't have picked on you. When you got to go, you got to go. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. This kind of goes back to that Woman tailgating. You know, I got excited when I saw the cop came up behind her. I've been there, done that a few times. but Not me personally, but just assisting. And it's fun. But I shouldn't feel that way. All right, they got it. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful, and it endures through every every circumstance. So when you say, well, Pastor, you don't understand what I've been through. Every circumstance. Come on. You're not arguing with me. You're arguing with Scripture. You're arguing with God. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless. But love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when full understanding comes, these partial things will become useless. Paul was not saying, hear me, that prophecy, tongues, and special knowledge would end with the apostles. 
All right? Some believe that that's what he was saying here. Rather, I believe what he was saying is that we will not need prophecy or tongues or special knowledge when we get the big picture. Which is when? When we are in heaven with Jesus, we aren't going to need these things any longer. But while we're here on this earth, brother and sister, we need all the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm going to get into this a lot more starting next week. But just hear this part. We must have love. Love is going to be eternal even when we get to heaven. Verse 11. When I was a child, and this just emphasizes what I just said. When I was a child, I spoke and I thought and I reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly as in a cloudy mirror. Now understand that during the days of Paul, when this was written, they didn't have those really cool mirrors that we have today that actually showed you your whole image. They were, they were muted. It'd be like you or I looking in this. And this isn't a very good example because it's not clean, but Pastor Roger did the best he could. Thank you. But it'd be like me. That's what they would do. They would look into a piece of metal, something that was burnished, and they would see a general image. Maybe you could tell if you had a piece of seaweed in your teeth. But other than that, it really wasn't a lot of good. And that was his example is, that's how we see now. It's a blurred image because we, none of us have been in heaven yet. None of us have met God face to face yet. But the day is going to come when we will. And when we do, when we're in those glorified bodies, we're going to know all there is to know. Hallelujah. That's good news. Amen. Let me get back to this. But then we'll see everything with perfect clarity, meaning heaven. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. This is Paul saying this. He's saying, I don't know everything. The great apostle Paul, he didn't know everything. No human being knows everything. I don't care how smart they are. They aren't God. But then I will know everything completely. Just as God now knows me completely. And that's the good news. God knows you intimately, inside and out. The Bible says he's counted the very hairs on your head. He knows how many you have at any given moment. And if you took a shower this morning or yesterday, you probably know that there were some that went down the drain, so he has to keep track regularly. God knows you completely. One day we are going to see everything clearly, and I'm looking forward to that. So I say to you, hang on. Do not give up on this life. Keep on doing the, the, the right things. Love others as Jesus loved us. Spend yourself. That's not a word we like. I mean, we like to spend things like, how many of you guys would like a brand new 2024 Stingray Corvette? You seen those things? Man. They look like a rocket ship. I'm going to stop. I don't want one, all right? But I think they're real, a really cool car. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but if you put studded tires on it, I bet it'd be fun. We need to look like Jesus more and more every day. The final verse in this chapter, very short. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Oops, 
How did I do that? I'm the wrong one. Let's see if I actually have it. I don't know what I did. This isn't the right version, but let me, let me read it. Oh my gosh, can you hear the pages crumpling there? Woohoo! We don't hear that much anymore, do we? So, what is this? I don't know. New International. All right. This is what the New International says, the last verse. I missed it. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, love. But the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, love. The greatest of these is love. What's Paul trying to tell us? Is, is love a suggestion? Can we live without it? Will our marriage survive without it? Our family? This church? Thank you. Paul said this is the best way. This is the most excellent way. My friends, we must love one another. And I like how uh, Roger Morling, he summed this up. Paul's, I call it Paul's theology of love. He said this, for Paul's love is the most important of all the Christian graces and the very heart of Christian ethics, motivated by the supreme expression of God's own love in the sacrificial death of Christ, it springs from a transformed life filled with what? God's own spirit. And the primary focus of love in Paul's writings is its tangible expression. What does tangible mean? It's going to be visible. You're going to see it and touch it and taste it. It is it makes the whole. It's, t its tangible expression is within the Christian what? What do you think he means? Christian community. Church. Body of Christ. How you treat the people from E Free or, or Life Church or North Life, whatever it is now. Family fellowship, the Methodists, the Lutherans. people in general. But it starts with the body of Christ, with the brothers and sisters of Christ. Let me ask you this. This is kind of the thinking side, all right? How do we apply this? When you think of the hope, or any other church for that matter, try to keep it local for now. But when you think of this church, do you think of love? Man, you guys are quick on the draw. There ever been times when you've come here, but you didn't feel like there was love. Who's over here? <laughs> I'm glad that you feel that way. You see... The church is represented by godly action. And as Christians, because we have God living in us, He changes us from the inside out. And if we don't look any different from the world, then there's something wrong. And that's why I think that we as the church, we need to evaluate how we're doing how we're living our lives, and, and how we look at others. Not just our friends, not just our brothers and sisters in Christ, but even those who sometimes frustrate us. Oh my goodness. Really? I thought I shut that off. I did shut it off. What is it doing that for? Sorry. The Holy Spirit's primary mission is to love. 
And if we do not, it leaves us one place. We must repent. So I'm going to say this again. I started out midway. I said, if you're struggling with this, this is what you must do. And it starts with repenting and asking the Lord to change you, to help you love others. Daily, we're sanctified as the Holy Spirit lives in us. You know, every day we should be a little stronger, look a little more like Jesus. How are you doing with that? How is this church doing with that? It's easy. You know, we're, we're facing another year of, oh boy, political agenda. And it's really easy to let that get into your craw. And you don't think very nice about other people. Fight it. Fight that evil spirit that's trying to connect and just say, get behind me. I don't have time for this. I'm not called to hate people. I'm called to love. God help me to love those people. Hallelujah. When Jesus walked this earth, he dismissed his disciples when they became heady and sometimes acted out stupidly. Is that a word? You know what I'm saying? They did some dumb things. Well, Jesus, when we get to heaven, can I be at your right side? That's heady. They think more highly of themselves than they should. That position is reserved for God. All right? But Jesus, he didn't blow them up. He dismissed it. Yeah, wait a minute. You know, he instructed them. Jesus forgave those who persecuted him. Do we do that? How many of you are persecuted at work? Anybody? Raise your hand. All right, I see your hands going up. Do you forgive them? Yeah! <laughs> I won't look at you. In just a minute, we'll repent and... This is between you and the Lord. But Jesus forgave those who persecuted Not only did He forget the, forgive those who per, he persecuted Him, He forgave... The ones that killed him. They hung him on the cross. They beat the daylights out of him. That mocked him. They enjoyed seeing the blood coming down his head. Come on, mighty king. Save yourself. And what did Jesus do? <laughs> In his last breath, almost last breath, he said... Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. See, we know that part. You know, when you're standing in front of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and you're judged, if you haven't forgiven others because you remembered that line right there, it's going to condemn you. If Jesus did it, we must do the same. We must forgive. And best of all, Jesus, he forgives us. <laughs> right? We must do the same. We must love the woman who's tailgating us. Say a prayer for her. That, that's, I'm telling you, I purpose in my heart, I'm going to pray this when we finish today. Help me with this, Lord. Because this is my Achilles heel, or one of them. We must love the brother or sister who ignored us as they walked past us in church. Look, you might think that's funny, but there are people who will hold that in for years. I've heard it. Why? How silly. Don't be that person. We must love the leader who has offended us or has led differently than how we think they should have. 
You know, one of the things that, that I was accused of over and again during COVID was, and it didn't matter which side I was on, you did it wrong. I'd please 50% of the people sometimes. I did what I felt God told me to do, told me how to run the church. It was a very difficult time, and there was no manual on how to get through COVID. And yet, people grilled me and judged me, even left the church for that nonsense. I know, I, that's how I felt. I'm just about done. 1 John 4, 16, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in His love. Amen? Amen. God is love and... Read that part in red. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. You want to know? Am I born again? You better have love in you and it's not something that you hide well I don't want everybody to know how I feel thank you sister you want everybody to know and then in the latter part of that same book same chapter and he has Jesus has given us this command those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. <gasps> Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers. You know, that must part sounds awful strong. God really mean this? Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples if you love one another. And yet, what is the devil trying to do? He is trying to get us pitted against each other over the dumbest things, mask or unmask. As an example. I can, I can look back now because it's far enough. Nobody's going to be going, oh yeah, they love that. But can you see that we as a church, we've got to live this thing out because love is an action. It's a verb. Love is an action. Recently, I read this from Tony Cook and I'd never read this before. How many have heard of D.L. Moody? Moody Bible Institute. He's the one over in Chicago. He, he started that. Tens of thousands of people came to Jesus through his ministry, through his evangelism. But did you know that he wasn't always saved? <laughs> in fact, he loved a really rough life, according to Tony. D.L. Moody grew up poor, and when, how poor was he? His dad died at a very early age. His mom had nine children. Back then, in the 1800s, without a dad, <laughs> it's going to be rough. It was so bad that the creditors came and took their firewood to pay the bill and this is how D.L. Moody grew up his uncle had a pity a little pity on him and he had a shoe store and he hired D.L. to come in and work in his shop and he said this to him he said listen I only have one requirement if I hire you and that is you're going to church on Sunday <laughs> and D.L.'s like hey I want to eat. <laughs> Sounds like a good plan to me. 
Maybe they'll even have food there. By the way, potluck at the end of the month. Uh, Bring the DLs. So DL was working one day, and he had, he had already been going to the Sunday school class for a couple of weeks, and his teacher, I believe his name was Mr. Kimball, Mr. Kimball showed up at his place of work. How many of you would love to see Pastor Norm show up where you work? Yeah. Anyway, his, his Sunday school teacher came in, and he, he put his hand on young Dwight and he, he started to weep. And he said, I just want you to know God loves you. And he has made a way for you. He loves your soul. And he wants you to be his. And Dwight, as D.L. says in his uh, biography, he said he still can feel the power that went through that Sunday school teacher's hand as he laid it on him that day. And you know what the first thing D.L. thought? This guy doesn't even know me and he's weeping over my sins. I don't even weep over my sins. I didn't even know I had a soul. Why am I bringing this up? Maybe it's just for me. But I believe it's for all of us that the Holy Spirit said, Norm, are you weeping for lost souls? Do you love people enough to weep over their souls? Love is an action. if he would stand with me. Can you feel the weight of chapter 13 of what Paul was saying to the church? Do you get it? Are you going to walk out of here and start yelling at people? No. <laughs> Especially that one that's right behind you? I know I'm going to be tested. It's coming. It's like praying for patience. Don't do it unless you're serious. But I believe that the Holy Spirit is saying to me, this is your litmus test. When you can love people, even when they're pushing your buttons, even when they're five feet behind you, and your, your temptation is, hit that brake. Actually, it's the other foot. Hit that brake. <laughs> and just watch them drive into the back of your car. I could use a new car. But that's not the right temptation. Especially if it's mom taking her kids to school. They're probably half buckled in. They couldn't figure out how to do that car seat. Somebody gets hurt, and then it's your fault. Well, it's really not legally, but it is. And the immoral part of it. But I'm, I'm going to love people like that. Why am I bringing this up? I'm trying to drive the point home. I don't know what your Achilles heel is. I don't know what that temptation is that, that causes you to lose the love that God put in you. But you need to get it back. <laughs> and that's the beauty of Christ. You can always get it back as long as you're still living on this side of heaven. Don't matter what you've done, what you've said, who you've hated, who you've not loved. Today is a new day with Christ.
Every morning brings new mercies. Every morning. Which means you can do it over. Have a do-over. So, here's what I want to do. That's how I'm going to end. If you need a do-over. If, if, if this is you. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. And you're done with that nonsense because that's irritating. Not just to us, but to him. I'm going to ask you to come up. If you're, having a tr- if you're having trouble loving someone, I'm going to ask you to come up. If you just want more of God's love. Because I believe somebody in here today, you, you've been through hell. And it's because of somebody or persons. And you just struggle loving others you, because you can't trust. You know, when you've been hurt, when you've been wounded, it's hard to run back into those flames and go, I'm here. But that's what God's asking us to do today. To love. <laughs> oh. Hallelujah. I want to pray. I'm going to pray a general prayer, and this may not apply to everybody, but I'd ask the church, pray with me. If you're online, just kneel right where you're at if you can. Because God has a miracle for you as well as the people here. I believe that there is... There is going to be a change in us today. Whatever you need most, God has that for you. Are you ready? Father, pray this. Father, I'm desperate. I know what the Bible says. You loved the world with all our issues, all our sin. And yet, yet, you still loved us. us. Let me make it personal. You can say that. You loved me me. enough Enough. to send Jesus Jesus. to die for my sins. sins. So So today, I want to receive this gift of eternal life. I ask you to forgive me and make me a new person. Change me from the inside out. The old man is dead. I am new. I am alive in Christ. And help me to love even the most difficult people And Lord, if there's somebody that's really, really hurt me, I ask you to fill me with your love so that I can forgive them. We don't have to be best friends, but I want to be able to do that. And I give you all the thanks and all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. I don't want to rush anybody here. And if you need, if you need prayer beyond what you feel like you've already received, please just hang up here and I'd be more than happy to pray with you. Our uh, prayer partners, Pastor Barb, can you come up? Would you come up and join me? If you need prayer beyond what you've already received, please don't leave until you get that breakthrough today. All right? God is in the business of change. Amen. He loves you and he loves me.
and everybody's leaving, so I guess we're done. So, <laughs> Father, bless this church family. Keep us all safe in our coming and in our going. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.